Before we hop into this episode, I wanted to add a quick note here at the top and give you guys a heads up that the audio will sound a bit strange. I tried to use a different program to record this time around, and it ended up just making me sound much more robotic-like. You'll see that the end of my sentences kind of fade off, some parts of distortion. My apologies. It is nothing to do with you or your phone. It is just my audio this time around. Uh, I hope you still find a way to enjoy the episode, and let's hop into it. My name was legitimately about to be Seven Patel. Now, this is before it was cool, right? Like, this is before Kim and Kanye were naming their kids Chicago, Northeast, any other direction. And before that, right, like, there was, what was the strangest name growing up? I think it was Blanket. Michael Jackson had named one of his kids Blanket. And people were like, oh, you know, well, that's so weird, you know? If, if Kendall or Kylie today named their, or any Kardashian, or honestly any celebrity named their baby Blanket, people would be like, oh, wow, that's so sweet. You know, like, I'm going to steal that. But this was in 94. My name was about to be Seven Patel. The number seven, last name Patel. Or maybe they were going to spell it out S-E-V-E-N. It was my uncle's idea, and the reason he said that is because I was born at 757 at seven pounds, seven ounces. So it was like, oh, hey, you know, this is his quote-unquote magical number. This is the special number to him. Why don't we just name him the number? And then it would have been so much easier for me in school, right? Like, I wouldn't have had to go by AJ or AJ. Oh, what does AJ stand for? Uh, nothing. It's just the white way of, the Americanized way of saying my name. I had substitutes call me Jose, and this was an Indian substitute, Jose Pato. I'll never forget this. And then the most common one was Ahe Patel, which I get it, right? You think the J's an H because that happens when it's in the middle of the name, I guess. I would be called Ahe Patel. The name seven, it would have been awesome. And I thought, damn, you know, like my uncle's really ahead of his time. And then I come to watch the show Seinfeld. Now, this is a show growing up I really did not like much. Like, I thought it was pretty corny. I didn't really understand the humor. Um, it would mainly be my dad watching it when he would come back from work, and I was just a kid or maybe even a teen. Uh, and I was like, yeah, can we watch Friends or something else? You know, like, I don't, I don't want to watch this. This, is, this, is a, this isn't that funny. And then it came out on Netflix maybe a year or two ago. And I was like, you know what, let me give it another shot. I don't really have anything else to do. Let's binge this. Season one, episode one, all the way through. And I instantly, instantly fell in love with how genius that show is. If you have not watched the show yet, please go watch it. Because the show is literally about nothing. Right? Just like your everyday life. The, the stupidity that you come across, the things that you see in life, and how everything is like supposed to be, oh, normal. That show does an awesome job at entertaining you while putting a light on those things. I think it was like season four or five when they really started getting into their stride. Um, there was an episode where George Costanza wants to name uh, his offspring Seven. Seven. And then my mind was blown. Because then you start seeing everything else, right? Like, I thought my uncle was so original. And then I'm like, damn, he, he stole this shit from this show. And then 
even cooler is that he found this way of lying about it, right? I mean, you know, you got to add a little jab, right? 757, seven pounds, seven ounces. We'll name them seven. And in reality, you got that from a TV show. Or maybe the show stole it from him. No, we're not going into that conspiracy. But he got it from a TV show. And then you start seeing all the other stuff, right? You start seeing all the um, the jokes, the mannerisms, all of this stuff where you're like, damn, you stole all of that. And I'm not mad at it. I do that shit too. I feel like everyone does it. Like how many people were watching Suits and then started giving you some type of legal advice? How many people were watching Grey's Anatomy or any other doctor show? And then they were like... Oh, yeah, I can, I can help fix anything. Oh, that person can't breathe here. Let me get, give me a pen. Give me a pen and I'm going to poke a, a hole into this guy's airway and it'll relieve the pressure. You do not know how to do that. Cut it out. But I think that's what happens, right? You watch these TV shows and you almost just start feeling like, oh, you know what? I'm resonating with this. I think I'm going to pick up a little bit of these mannerisms. I see how it's uh, working in this crowd. So I think it'll work in this outside crowd. I do that, too. Whatever I'm acting like that week is more than likely coinciding with the main character from a TV show I'm also watching that week. So I don't blame it. You know, like, you took the name Seven from there and you were going to throw it on me. I wouldn't have been mad. I probably was going to be mad growing up because it wasn't that cool and I probably got bullied a bunch. Like, I can already see those jokes coming in. But then in this later stride, it would have been like, oh, what a neat name. You could really sell that name. But, alas, here I am. My name is Ajay Patel. Welcome back to the show. This is actually episode 7, so I just wanted to share that little interesting story about myself. Today we hop into the headlines, talk a little bit about my last week, uh, talking about the football game I went to in addition to the No Nuzzer event I went to. And I hop into some Indian wedding stuff. Now, I have been to probably at least, I want to say... 20 is too much, right? I am a avid plus one. I think I'm a veteran plus one already at this point. Isha, my girlfriend, all of her friends have gotten, pretty much all of her friends have gotten married to this point. And I haven't been lucky, I haven't been lucky to be a plus one to pretty much all of these. In addition to that, I have friends getting married. So I have now gone to those weddings. And then you also have your family circle, right? The weddings you go to for that. And that's a lot of weddings. And this isn't just like a one day thing like, oh, you're showing up Saturday for the wedding receptions an hour after that you're done. This is like a four day, five day block at times. So I want to say I, in the past, like, let's say two to three years, I have been to 10 or more. You know what? No, I'm going to say 15 or more weddings, just so it's a little bit higher than anyone else that's listening to this. And this week I have another wedding. A very good friend of mine, his name is Sim, and his soon-to-be wife, Aman, are getting married this week. And I just thought, you know, it'd be an interesting topic to talk about right before, uh, you know, we head into that. And I'm going to talk about mainly the things that I feel like as an attendee help the experience to the next level, right? Because, yeah, sure, as much as you can say, like, oh, the wedding is for, you know, the bride and groom, I don't think that's true. Sorry, sorry, sorry. That is not true. As much as you want to say that, it's not, bro. An Indian wedding is about the community. It's about, hey, yo, everyone get together. Everyone get together. I'm basically going to throw this huge party. 
It's going to be beautiful. It's going to be amazing. You're going to have an amazing time. But this event is for y'all. Am I going to have things in this that are to my desire? Sure. But in essence, you're still thinking about that audience member at the end of the day. An audience member. I'm acting like this is a show, right? You're still thinking about the people that are attending, right? You're putting them in your forethought where it's like, okay, you know what? Make sure I, We want to make sure we have seats here. We have food, blah, 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 this and that. So I'm going to talk about three things where I feel like as an attendee, they help, they help the experience go to the next level. But before that, let's hop into the headlines. The Biden administration has announced the nation's first federal Office of Gun Violence Prevention. In a statement released Thursday, the White House said the office will be overseen by Kamala Harris's office. You have a better chance of meeting Jesus Christ in the flesh, shaking, shaking that man's hand, saying what's up to him, than seeing Kamala Harris anywhere. I don't even know how they get uh, pictures of her, honestly. I think I saw her, that, that first video when she first got in office, and she, she was calling Joe from old golf course, and hey, we did it, bro. After that, I have not seen her. I've seen her at the, that annual Diwali party that I think is here. It is, it is in Los Angeles. You'll see Lily seeing a bunch of brown influencers, a lot of brown actors, comedians, all that stuff. And then you see Kamala Harris there. Now, I don't hate her. I just, you know, it's like, bro, can I really count on you? I just want you to be there. I don't even want you to be doing good at your job. I just want to be able to, I just need you to entertain me still. I just need you to maybe not wear that pantsuit once in a while, dress casually. And, and just hang out, man. The creation of this office is a continuation of the administration's work on preventing high-profile mass shootings and local homicides that primarily affect lower-income Black and Latino communities. There was probably no point in saying the Black and Latino communities because it's like, this gun violence is everywhere, my guy. I am glad this is happening. Let me start with that statement. I am glad this is happening. The timing is strange. Right? Like, oh, you guys were... When people were shooting up gay nightclubs, that's fine. Or people shooting up concerts and uh, local events, nah, that's fine. It's, you know, like, let's just keep moving on. Everyone get over it. Come on. Oh, school shootings? Oh, elementary schools? Uh, we might want to make a little bit of a statement. Uh, maybe post a really cool thing on social media to make sure everyone feels like we're together. Mm-hmm. Oh, shit. Trump's coming? Let's start something to make sure we can get some voters on our side. That's what this feels like to me. This feels like, oh shit, you know, like, I feel like we're about to lose this shit. So, so let's get as much in as we can in the last, this last minute so we can make sure we get voters on our side. Because these dudes are going to lose. I think this is a, a thing that was much, much needed way long ago. Biden says gun violence is quote-unquote ripping our communities apart after Tennessee shooting. After the Tennessee shooting? Bro, this was happening way before that. Also, it's not ripping our communities apart. It is quite literally just straight-up destroying them, diminishing them, downsizing them. Ripping our communities apart is having a red party and a blue party and then having everyone always get angry at each other. Oh, you, you voted for Biden, I hate you. Oh, you voted for Trump, I hate you. That is the shit that has been, I, in my opinion, has been ripping communities apart. 
people have probably lost relationships because of like, oh, you voted for who? Oh, I can't talk to you. I don't even want to entertain what you have to say. I can't talk to you. So overall, am I glad that this whole gun committee has been started? Yes. Do I think anything will come out of it? You know, it sucks to be a skeptic on it, but I don't. You know, like, what does that even look like? Like this thing, th this article just has a bunch of quotes about like, oh, you know, gun violence has gone up this percentage and this and this has happened here. And and this is, uh, you know, a recollection of what happened. Thanks for the reminder, dude. But like, cool. What do you what what is the path forward look like? Do you even have a plan? Or is this just like, oh, yo, yo, we made this committee. Let's get some cool t-shirts made now. From the Scientific American, even moderate drinking has risks. A drink or two a day was safely within most public health guidelines, and research even suggested that a little alcohol could protect against cardiovascular disease. Now, this isn't a headline necessarily, but this is just one of those interesting things regarding health that it's like, oh, you know, that's interesting to know. And I thought it was pretty comical because of this shit. The U.S. now recommends a limit of one drink a day for women. That is 12 ounces of beer, 5 ounces of wine, or 1.5 ounces of spirits, and 2 for men. The message is clear. The chances of harm begin with the first drop. Now, I know that's right. Now, look, I'm before I dive into this more, I'm not promoting this. I'm just being straight up with what the reality is, right? Beer drinking is a very, very common thing amongst my age, probably older, younger, all of that. Previous health advice was designed to stop people from becoming alcoholics. Bro, that boat has long sailed. If you look at how much people drink nowadays, they would all be pretty much classified as alcoholics. Unless you're having legitimately that one quote-unquote glass of wine a day, and at five ounces, right? I'm not talking about a full glass. I'm talking about five ounces. Then you fall into this alcoholic bucket. So maybe alcoholic isn't the same as alcohol use disorder. Maybe I should read the rest of the article and know that, but that's what I'm saying. That range is large. And more than likely, right? I'm about to go to this wedding. Let's say on the reception night. I'll probably have like five drinks. And I was being so moderate with the count right now, too. And that is way more than the limit that they're saying. And I know I was probably drinking way more, like, you know, probably a lot of us were drinking way more in the college days than nowadays. But, you know, it hasn't slowed down that much, especially if you are being much more social. I could see that at being more frequent. But I think when your body gets to a certain age and it's like, damn, bro, you know, like, we, we can't be doing this. Yeah, I, I can't be doing these sugary drinks. I can't be doing liquor past this time. You kind of lay off. And then maybe you do get closer to that two drink limit. Maybe maybe you touch three. Or then you go, oh, I'm going to call it a day. So the age, the age thing probably puts us more in that healthy barrier or that healthy window, I guess to say. But let's be real, man. We're not following that shit. Speaking of the World Health Organization, COVID is back. Oh, shit. Like, also, I mean, like, this isn't the real COVID, right? This is, this is that knockoff COVID. But the COVID cases have been back on the rise. I've had a number of friends that have gone to some events and been like, damn, bro, you know, like, this many people got COVID afterwards. And, and it's been to the point where I have now seen people out here in California wearing masks again. When I first moved out here late 2022, People wearing masks, but that's just because it was like, 
oh, you know, is it still safe to go outside? Also, California had was very late to the party of lifting regulations, probably for good reason. But someone that came from Texas, it was like, hey, bro, you know, like y'all didn't get y'all didn't get the news. It's, it, you know, like it's time to party again. It's time to have that five ounces of wine. And now I think there's going to be another booster that comes out. In addition to that, they're, uh, they have started releasing those free at-home tests again. So you can go to a website, apply for the test to come to your house, and then you're good for free again because of how much it's on the rise. Now, personally, look, I'm not someone that thinks, oh, COVID is fake, all that stuff. But I'm at a point where it's like, damn, you know what? If I'm feeling any type of sick, I probably will not test for COVID ever because it's like i just don't need to be going outside then if i feel sick at all right i should just wear a mask if i have to get on a plane or anything like that then i'll get on it then i will wear a mask and then proceed with business but if it's just like a matter of oh hey you know someone's having a birthday party and i feel flu-like and i take a covid test and it says negative do i then go to the birthday party with whatever flu i have no that COVID test doesn't determine anything, whether it's positive or negative. You're still sick. You know you're sick. You're feeling a certain type of way. You're just sick, bro. Stay in the house. Okay, I went on a tangent for another couple of minutes. So let me cut this short before everyone starts calling me some anti-vaxxer. If you're sick, just stay your ass at home. I don't care if that COVID test says negative or positive. Just stay home if you're sick, man. And if you have to go out in public, yeah, put a mask on. I went to an NFL game, and I'm not going to talk about it too much, but I will say it was an awesome experience. Like, just the Sunday vibes, waking up, it was hoodie weather outside. We got ready, went over to Inglewood to the stadium, watched the LA Rams and 49ers game. There was probably a 70-30 split 49ers fans to the LA Rams fans. Now, I did not know that the LA Rams were originally an LA team, and then it went to St. Louis and came back. So at first I was like, oh, this makes sense. You know, people in California are probably thoroughbred 49er fans. But I think more than likely, LA is just a basketball town now. Overall, a fun experience. The LA Rams lost. I'm not going to get into sports too much, but a cool time. No nuzzer. Oh my gosh. Okay, so a recap of what this is. I'm going to show a little video here and leave some blank space. So if you've ever seen a boiler room set, it's like house music mixed with a different flavor. And in this case, for No Nuzzer, it's house music mixed with that traditional Indian music. I've talked about it on a previous episode, but I have been a big fan of this music. I am someone that likes music a lot. And for this style, I was like, damn, this is pretty cool. You know, like I could see that being a good time when you're out. And I've been to an event before. And it was a good time, right? But I remember it being very young, right? There was a lot of 18-year-olds in there. And this is an 18-plus event. And so it was probably college-dominated. It didn't... And it felt like that for the most part that first time I went. But there was still, like, a pocket where I felt like, oh, you know, this is a good time. Like, I don't feel like I'm... I have to 
ward off weird dudes from the other girls in our group or anything like that. It's a chill time. This time, man, and I, and I went in with all hopes, right? Our friend Asha, she she bought the tickets, and then she was like, you know, like let's do it. You know, like I think it'll be a good time. I was like, all right, we're we're down. And so I drank all that stuff, got to the event, and then something just happened, right? Where I was just like. I don't think I like this. It felt like a college frat party. And as someone that's 28, about to be 29 years old, a very strange vibe indeed. And maybe I'm just out of place, but as someone that was just kind of standing in his little corner observing, it's a very young crowd, right? You see dudes that are just, (laughs) you see dudes that are just hovering around looking for a girl to dance on. Very strange stuff, right? But that's normal, right? Like it, that dude, I'm I'm not mad at that dude. I know exactly what he's doing. I just don't want to be around it. And and so then the first guy that was on when we got there, it I lo- I liked him a lot. That music was pretty cool. Um but then it just started feeling like a lot of the same, right? Like how long can you just keep on jumping? And on this night specifically, they had a guy that has done a boiler room set. I think he was from Brazil. And I think they just put too much emphasis on him. Like his set was cool, but I think we left within like a couple minutes of his. Because we were like, oh, we should stay for this quote-unquote headliner. But then it was like, damn, bro, like y'all put way too much emphasis on this dude. Everyone else before him was also pretty good. Now, I'm not trying to badmouth them at all, right? But I think for someone my age, I probably will not go to that again. It, it what sucks is like Isha has had the pleasure of meeting one of the main DJs that started that No Nuzzer group. And she's even said, like, this wasn't the original vision. The original vision was not to just be Brown-centric, right? We want to diversify. But I think what's happened now is it's turned into a college frat party, like a traditional South Asian college frat party party, where it's 18 plus to get in. I don't. I think you get a wrist man if you're drinking. There's a little VIP area behind the DJ where it's just a bunch of dudes and that's the vibe. And that's the vibe right now. And and I get it. Look, if if I was in college in the area and that was a party that was happening, that would be cool. That would be so cool if I was 18 years old getting to go to this party with awesome music. I could meet girls. Bro, I'm 28. Shit wasn't for me, man. Now look, if you've never had the pleasure of going to an Indian wedding, the shit is a spectacle. It is a crazy amount of work that families, entire communities put in to host this three-day, four-day, sometimes a week-long event. A lot of time goes into it, a lot of cash goes into it, and then a lot of effort. And now in saying these next three things that I put a lot of emphasis on, I want your thoughts, right? I want you to let me know, like, ah, no, that's, that's not as important as you think it is. Or actually, you know what, I think this is a little bit more important. But I have boiled it all down to three things that I feel like I, that helped my experience as an attendee. Starting with one, the DJ. Number one, the DJ. Now, it doesn't have to be a crazy talented DJ, but this dude legitimately does control the vibes. The entire weekend. From the first night, whether you have a welcome dinner or a sangeet or even mainly night, right? A DJ sets the vibes. You... You could have a dance floor, no dance floor. It doesn't matter, right? It's just that background music. And then that DJ also comes with 
uh, a piece of the rubric on that DJ chart is, you know, the quality of stuff they bring. Speakers. Are there speakers in the back? Are there speakers in the front? Like, is it too loud? Is it too, is it too soft? Because a lot of times you see that um, some DJs will just have speakers in the front. And then when someone's giving a speech, if you're sitting in the back, you can't hear shit, bro. And then that causes that imbalance, right? So this person's giving a speech for however long. And now the, these people in the back can't even hear it. So what starts naturally happening? They start talking. They start talking. Now the people in the front are getting annoyed because they can hear the speech and the people talking in the back. And so it's just all messed up. Versus if you have sound back there and people aren't talking, obviously that just takes some self-discipline. Those people aren't talking. People in the front aren't talking. It doesn't matter how boring that speech is or how long it is or how interesting it is. You've got to just have a controlled environment here and it's so much more smoother. And then you get into, uh, you know, like the, their main night, right? Their big, their prime night, which is reception night. Reception night, the music matters the most. The mixing, the transitioning, the vibe, you know, you have to kind of like read the dance floor. I don't think I would make a good DJ. Let me go ahead and just put that out there. I don't think I would make a good DJ because I, I get absolute writer's block when it comes to choosing the next song and so that's part of being a good dj where you like you can read the dance floor and be like hey you know what i think these fools are gonna sing to some drake next here we go oh you know what i'm doing really bad let me play some t-pain here because i know that'll that'll shoot the vibe back up and then having a good mix right like bro play some bollywood man there's all these old people here play some bollywood Play all of your traditional songs, like, you know, all of the Bollywood bangers, all of your hits in the front top and at the top half. And then you can experiment a little bit more when the older people are leaving at 10 o'clock or 11 o'clock. And then you can experiment a little bit more. And then if you have a really good DJ, that person can also be the MC. You don't need an MC. And this is coming from someone that likes to MC. You don't need them. Do they help the energy? Eh. Would you rather have a good MC or would you rather have a reception program that goes a little bit faster? And then the DJ can do all the intros, right? Hey, this is the brother of the bride. This is the mom and dad. Hey, this is the next dance. Hey, this is the next. Like, it would just go so much smoother. And faster. And I think that is one of the name of the games when it comes to that reception program is like, hey, how do we fit all of the shit in that we want to? How do we get how do we give everyone a speech? How do we give X amount of dances and then still feed people by nine o'clock? So DJ being number one. Maybe I shouldn't rank them. Anyways, DJ being one. Two, I think it comes down to people. People, people, people. I had the pleasure of going to Trinidad most recently and I knew that they were some party people, but this shit was next level. Like the energy you felt from these people keep you going for X amount of days on end. Like the events we were going to, I think three out of four of them were outside and you're dancing outside in this Trinidad heat. And you're like, damn bro, how am I not passing out? And it's because of that Trinidad energy. Because everyone else around you is just having a good time. No one's complaining. 
You know, if you have a you know a certain group of people, they're like, ah, oh, bro, it's too hot. I'm not going to dance. I'm not. I'm not too hot. I don't want to sweat. Like, well, who the fuck cares? And so I do think people make such a huge difference. And it comes down to family too, right? Like when, as an attendee, if you feel like you're being very welcomed by the bride or groom's family, that is like, damn, you know, like this, this, this feels awesome. Like, I feel like I'm part of the experience. Family and then also friends. Friends also set a vibe. And they don't have to be my friends, right? They could be the bride and groom's friends. But when you see them out on the dance floor just having a good time, you know, like they're not just all in a circle jumping up and down or they're not all camping at the bar. And you feel like, oh, wow, you know, this feels like a, a fun party. People are going to the bar. They're coming back. They're, you know, like making everyone, like bringing people into the circle. And also, uh, I don't know. Do we need to stop forming circles? Like the shit was pretty cool for a while, but, but sometimes you get trapped with some people in there and it's like, damn. Friends set the vibe, man. Friends set the vibe, for real. And they don't have to be good dancers or anything like that. They just have to, one, be willing to help. Sorry, I keep kicking this thing. Um, I guess I'm getting weirdly passionate about this, strangely. But friends set the vibe. Friends that help you get shit done so that things kind of end up going in a better fashion. And logistically, they end up going better, which touches on number three. They help things go smoother. In addition to when you see other people having fun, it's like, oh shit, you know what? I want to be a part of this. And then when you have people that are opening their shoulder and letting you into the circle and being like, oh shit, come here, you know, like hop in. The amount of people that I put my arm around and just they're like, yo, hop in here, hop in here. I don't, I don't know your name. I don't even, I don't want to meet you because this is not a thing that we need to establish. But right now in this moment, hop in here, bro. Hop in here, ma'am. And then it goes into number three, which is, I guess, logistics. But not even that, right? Like if things are running late, it's fine. Things are going to run late. Like there's a lot of moving pieces here. I don't expect everything to start on time. I think what hurts the experience more is when you start seeing people panicking, especially people of importance, whether you start seeing the bride and groom start panicking, their families panicking, uh, the wedding planner kind of griping and doing all this shit. That is what kind of starts hurting the mood. Timing and stuff, that's, I don't expect that to be 100%. But if you can still make it feel smooth, like I've been to weddings where the the cocktail hour has lasted three hours. And people have been like, damn bro, we've been drinking for a minute. But you don't see anyone running around, you don't see anyone scrambling. It's just like, okay, I, I guess I'll just keep indulging in this until it's time to go sit at the reception table. I think next week or in two weeks, I'm going to call my friend Zip, whose wedding starts this week. And I'm going to, I'm going to ask him what he thinks on the matter. And I think that'll be a little interesting take to have. With that being said, my name has been Ajay Patel. Uh, I hope you guys have a good week and I'll talk to you soon. Bye.